Isaiah 60, 1 through 4. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, some of my favorite memories have been etched with the radiant colors of the golden hour. You know, the golden hour is that one hour before sunset. In my memory, it's our images of driving on a road trip with the golden hour casting shadows. And here's an image of sitting on the sand at the beach with this view of a sunset over the ocean in Washington State. I realized, after having moved here, that you don't get to see ocean sunsets on the East Coast. You only get to see ocean sunrises. Enjoying the vista, here's another picture on the right, from the top of a mountain, like at Annapolis Rock. You know, during this time of day, the setting sun changes the scenery from a flat, bright light to this warm glow that brings out the kaleidoscope of colors in leaves and in the grass. The long shadows cast on the ground allow you to see the depth of textures of a landscape. And taking photos at this time changes the scene. You truly see things in a different light. There's something about the glow of the golden hour that I find so captivating. I'm drawn towards it. In fact, if I'm able to, I'll actually schedule a drive during the golden hour or to be at the beach or on a mountaintop at sunset. You know, as we conclude the Advent and Christmas message series, we've been recalling how we're all on this road of repentance, of restoration, of revelation, and of rejoicing. And today we'll look at how being on this road leads us to a place of wonderful radiance. And in Christ, we find that we can enjoy the true radiance that the living God has intended for all creation. The latest Disney Pixar film, Soul, tells the story of a middle school t music teacher named Joe Gardner, who appears to be, 
who aspires to be a gigging professional jazz musician. Now, that aspiration is about to become a reality for Joe when his journey there is sidelined. Now, I won't give away the story so that you can enjoy it for yourself. But in this detour, he ends up mentoring a young soul who is searching for her spark. There's the image. There's Joe on the left and the young spark on the right. And she's, she's looking for that one thing that will make her unique in the world before she is sent into the world as a human being. The film creatively describes this human instinct that is drawn towards beauty and completion. It's embedded in our very reason to be. In Isaiah 60, I think it's why our hearts resonate when we hear the words of Isaiah saying, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, we hear those words, thinking they're speaking to us. The you and the your used in this passage is second fem uh, person feminine singular, addressing the mother city, Zion. And as we read further, we find unexpectedly that those drawn and included in the city of God are not just the Jews. God's arrival also draws all sorts of people groups from afar. To the surprise of Israel's contemporaries, the daughters and sons of Zion living in God's city are made up of all nationalities, not just ethnic Jews. There is a brilliance and the radiance of God that rings in the hearts of all people. And it's not just because these words are ancient and poetic. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear these words of Isaiah, there's something at the core of my being saying, yes, I think that's what we're made for. We're longing for this light to come. We're longing for a time that we might arise and shine because there is something brilliant and glorious that we have been created for. It's like the missing puzzle piece that completes the picture. And that brilliance and that glory is not something that we build for ourselves, try as we might. It comes from outside of us. In, Ma in the Matthew text that Roz just read for us, we're told of the story of the Magi who come to find Jesus. It's that same human instinct that drew them to journey for at least a month to follow the radiance of a star that they saw from the east of Bethlehem. Although traditionally, we've associated the Christmas story with three wise men. We're actually not told how many Magi there were that were drawn by the star. We're told that there are more than one, and we're told of three gifts. And they likely traveled with a significant entourage of supporting crew and servants. So this was no spontaneous trip to the shopping mall. For the Magi, being drawn to the radiance of God required a significant investment in time and effort. Now, for those who are sticklers for details, you might also wonder how the timeline worked out if they came to worship the newborn child, as many of our carols and our nativity scenes portray. The Magi likely did not arrive at the time of Jesus' birth in a manger, and they, but up to two years later when Jesus was living in a home already. All this to say is that they were drawn by the brilliance of a light in the sky, and as learned students of the stars, they recognized something special about this light in the sky that caused them to invest in a significant expedition with an unknown destination. So I'm going to ask you something, to do something different today in, in our message. I'm going to ask you to give you a moment and share how you have been drawn by radiance in your own life. The journey of the Magi and the image that Isaiah paints for us are a human instinct that we all share. We're all drawn by radiance. 
We're all in this pursuit for something glorious, something that fits in this eternal longing of the soul. Now, this longing may be expressed in a number of ways. Maybe it's in the glory of fame or the radiance of natural or created beauty or the fit of our self-identity and being recognized appropriately or the glory of finding a home, whether it's in your own skin or whether it's in a relationship or, or whether it's in a physical home. What might it be for you? I'm going to give you 30 seconds right now and turn to somebody you're with or jot it down in the chat or, or in your journal. What kind of radiance moves you and draws you in your life? when we come across something glorious and beautiful, what is your response? Often it's awe and wonder. We want to share that moment with others as I did in in the initial uh, illustration, taking a photo and sharing that on social media perhaps. But unless you're an accomplished photographer, even the best photo rarely captures the full brilliance of the moment. When I see the sun setting at the beach or from the top of a mountain, I take it in with all my senses saying, thank you, God, for, for this view. I can't believe you made all of this. You are so big. Despite all of our incredible ingenuity and creativity, we humans are so small compared to your infinite wisdom and beauty. And maybe you're listening today and you don't consider yourself to be religious. But at least we want to turn to someone else, even strangers who are beside us, and say, wow, Imagine, this is amazing. You know, when we see something that's truly glorious and radiant, we can't help but respond in worship, in worship that draws people together. The prophet Isaiah describes how the arrival of God's glory brings all peoples together. In verses 3 to 5, we're told, Nations will come to your light and kings to bring the, to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you, your sons from afar, your daughters are carried on the hip, and they will look on you and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. You know, we find that image is particularly true from the, when the Magi come from afar. They have no prior knowledge of the God of Israel, yet they are drawn by this radiant light in the sky. And their response, too, is unique. In verse 10 and 11, we're told, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, in our world of market-driven funding, it's unfortunate that every concert or theater performance and art exhibit, it's often accompanied by an invitation to become a member or to donate. In many ways, we've monetized this act of worship, especially when it comes to the arts, and even when it comes to accessing nature. 
The word worship literally means to give worth to. Worship is saying, this is worth it. This is worth sharing. This is worth putting funds towards and perhaps even giving my life and efforts towards. In scenes like the Magi, the story of scriptures describes how humans are wired to connect with glory and beauty. And the only appropriate response to something truly glorious and beautiful is worship. Matthew describes how the Magi worshipped the living God with extravagant generosity in their gifts and this humble submission of bowing down before Jesus. Can you imagine grown men showing up at your house, knocking on the door, bowing down before your child? What would that look like? The Magi recognized that they were in the presence of the truly radiant one. But the story also describes how everyone doesn't always respond in worship before the true radiance and glory of God. In verse 3, we're told that when, G- when Herod, the king, heard about the arrival of Jesus, he was disturbed. He sees the arrival of Christ, the long-awaited one of Israel, as a threat. Herod was blinded by self-interest, thinking, what is this new arrival going to do to me? What? am I going to lose? You see, Herod was known for his greatness. He led as an unscrupulous tyrant. Installed by the Roman Empire, Herod wasn't actually an ethnic Jew, but he promised and came through on building great things during his reign. He erected a temple in Jerusalem. He rebuilt Samaria. He was known as the law and order king. One commentator said of Herod, that he was the only ruler of Palestine who ever succeeded in keeping the peace and in bringing order into disorder. So when news of a long-awaited king of the Jews came to him, he viewed it as a challenge to his glory and success. He didn't want to give up his spot. Can you think of anyone like that? You know, rather than seeing the glorious beauty of Christ's arrival and respond in worship, Herod could only see his own glory and the threat of losing it. Rather than seeing what gradient gift had arrived into his neighborhood, Herod could only see his own radiance being diminished. You know, in Christ's arrival, we have the clearest and fullest revealing of God's character to the world. And the arrival of God at Christmas is a reminder that the human journey and this longing for radiance and beauty was never meant to be fulfilled on our own effort and merit. Whatever we do build, great and glorious as they might be, it will never compare to what God offers to us in Christ. In Christ's arrival, we remember that radiance and glory and beauty come to us. When we recognize God's glorious revelation in Christ, we realize that the longing of our hearts, the missing puzzle piece in the landscape of life, is gifted to us by the God of love. And really, there are only two possible responses. We can respond in humble worship like the Magi, or we can respond with insecure rejection like Herod. The question for us is, are we going to respond to God's glory, like the Magi, or like Herod. You know, when we respond in worship to the arrival of the true radiance of Christ, like the Magi, we find ourselves not only reflecting humble submission 
and generosity as acts of worship. But we begin to live differently. We see the world differently. Our life takes a different path. And that's what happens to the uh, Magi in verse 12. After having been warned in a dream, after worshiping Jesus, they, go, they do not go back to Herod. They return to their country by another route. Though Herod expected them to return with the news of the baby's location, the Magi lived differently in light of encountering the radiant presence of the living God. They returned to the country by another route. An encounter with Jesus changes how we live. Our priorities change. You know, many, many of us, when we, when we hear the news of a, a, a baby arriving in a friend's family or a family member's you know, we'll, we'll be excited. Family, friends, and especially grandparents will take turns cuddling the baby, enjoying the soft skin and delicate fingers and the tiny fingernails. They might enjoy filling their noses with the sweet aroma of a mother's milk on the baby's breath mixed with the freshly laundered onesies that are constantly being changed. For the parents, the arrival of the baby also means a change in the rhythms in priorities of the family. Gone are the late nights out in the town. The man cave turns into a playroom. The budget for discretionary spending goes to diapers and formula and college savings. Priorities change with the baby's arrival. And as the baby grows, parents become more consciously aware of the habits we indulge in, the kind of vocabulary we use, and the kinds of movies we watch in front of our children. In many ways, the arrival of the Christ child invites a similar response, but even more. We're invited to enjoy God's presence in Christ. And, we're, and following Jesus means our priorities shift too. Our time and resources are spent differently, and perhaps our life takes a different path. But there is one significant difference. You know, we often make adjustments in our habits and speech and actions when there's a child or a baby around to protect the child's health and innocence. But when it comes to Jesus, our habits and speech and actions change because of the radiant innocence of Jesus, the holy and anointed one of God. It's this baby's innocence and life that, in fact, changes ours. The arrival of Jesus, the Christ, the long-awaited one of Israel, also meant the arrival of a new way of living. You know, in our individualistic culture, we often associate God's glorious presence arriving to be a personal, spiritual experience. And in, in many ways it is. But it's not just about that. For many, it's about a feeling of God's love and warmth, kind of like the hot cup of cocoa that Kate mentioned in the children's story. Or this sense of awe in worship or in contemplation. But the glorious arrival of God's presence to the world is meant to be much more than that. Isaiah describes it in his prophecy in how the, uh, the radiant beauty of God's people filled with God's glory draws people in to share in that radiance. The psalmist that uh, in Psalm 72 puts it in different terms. It's the psalm that we opened the service with in the call to worship that Jess led us in. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. 
May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people, save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. Encountering the God of glory, the glory of God leads to individual worship and deference like the Magi, certainly. But it also leads to a change in social order. The arrival of God's radiant one brings with him justice and righteousness. Jesus comes to establish true righteousness and justice in a world of oppression, of exclusion, and of inequity. Those who are afflicted and oppressed and needy will find compassion in Christ's arrival. And we see evidence of that in the ministry of Jesus. The sick were healed. The oppressed were set free. Those who were excluded on the outside because of their age, because of their gender or ethnicity, were restored into community. Those who weren't considered God's people were actually used as examples to God's people. What we don't see in Jesus' arrival is him making his followers more comfortable with more money and success and political influence. What we don't see in Jesus' arrival is distancing himself from the other and further marginalizing them. In his ministry, Jesus begins to set things right and restore the way God intended for humanity and for creation to flourish. And that restored life culminated on the cross where God's justice and righteousness is shared generously for all to cover the sins of humanity. Those who have truly encountered the Messiah too find themselves to be aligned with Christ's own movement towards justice and righteousness. Following Christ is not just enjoying the radiance of God's presence and God's kingdom for ourselves, but sharing the radiance of God's justice and righteousness and love and peace wherever we see opportunities for that in our world. You know, many of us could not wait for 2020 to end fast enough and for 2021 to begin. And our instinct is to wait impatiently for things to return to normal. But what if we consider, what if what we consider to be normal is not necessarily reflective of the way of Jesus? You know, for many of us, a return to normal is back to work so that we can afford to go on vacations and travel and entertainment and sports and restaurants and activities. But what if our normal, in our normal, we fail to use our time and resources that God gives us to make God's justice and righteousness known more in the world? Then perhaps our definition of normal is askew. It may be normal according to the culture we live in, but what's normal in God's glorious kingdom? That kingdom of justice and righteousness for all. What does God's justice and righteousness look like for our neighbors who can't work from home, have lost their jobs and because they don't have paid time off to help their kids in virtual learning at home? What does God's justice and righteousness look like for our neighbors who don't have savings or health care or family support, and they can't make rent. The COVID pandemic has forced us to slow down our pace of life. And yes, grieve those things that we feel like we have lost. But perhaps that is the one opportunity of the pandemic. 
in the Christmas season, we are reminded to draw near and enjoy the radiance of God's arrival in Christ. But as we enter this new year, we are also reminded to respond to the radiance of God in the flesh with humility and worship, like the Magi, but also with the generous sharing of this radiant justice and righteousness of God in the world. May you journey on this road to radiance. And share that radiant love of God wherever you go. Amen.